Weakness creates huge problems for us. Moral weakness, lack of fortitude, and relational problems. This message is the third in the series, I Will Grow Stronger. The message is entitled, Admit Your Weakness. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're going to talk today about our series entitled, I Will Grow Stronger. One of the decisions we're making as we're heading into a new year, experiencing a new year in our future together, is the decision to experience the more life that Jesus has for us. Jesus designed a life for you that is more than you could ever design for yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come so that you, that's those of us who are his followers, might have life and have it more abundantly. And so God has a more life for you. But to experience the more life, you and I have to make the right decisions. It may be that God, it's God's will for you to have more, and it certainly is, but we have to choose to cooperate with that process. And one of those choices that we must make to experience the more life is to choose to get stronger. I will grow stronger. Say it with me. I will grow stronger. It is a choice. I will. I'm choosing to grow stronger in life. Why? Because weakness is a curse. Weakness creates all kind of vulnerabilities in your life. You don't want to live in a state of weakness. You want to live in a state of spiritual strength. But there's quite a paradox in the Bible when it comes to studying the topic of strength. How do we gain strength? And interestingly enough, the Bible teaches us that the first step in the process of gaining strength starts with admitting our weakness. And admitting weakness is not easy. It's a hard thing to do. It's acknowledging right where you are now because you can't be somewhere that you're not. You can't move forward from where you are until you acknowledge where you are. I have a confession to make today. Anybody ready for the pastor's confession this morning? Suddenly a lot of eyes came my direction, okay? Over the Christmas holidays, I did what perhaps some of you did. I, I excused myself from my exercise routines. Anybody else did that also? Yeah. We had all kind of parties going on here and lots of great food. And it seemed like every time I showed up at another party, they had something that, like, I really want that, okay? I mean, the chocolate chip cookies are the devil, okay? And they're just like, oh, demons all over them. But I had way too many of those over the Christmas season. And so January, I said, well, I've got to get back into my regular habit of exercise. And so I decided one evening a week or two ago, actually a couple weeks ago, to pop down on the floor and do some push-ups. I discovered muscle atrophy. I discovered that just about a month ago, the number of push-ups that I could do compared to the number I could do embarrassingly right now was quite different. Why? Because I had not continued my strength. I was weak, and I had to acknowledge that I can't do what I used to do. I've got to build myself back up again. I have to start where I am. I have to start in my weakness to gain strength, acknowledging it. And so today, I want to talk to you about admitting your weakness, because you will never get strong without doing this. Let me preface what I'm going to say, three points I'm going to give you this morning with one more very important statement. What I'm going to share with you today may be one of the most important messages in this entire series. The reason this is so critical is because this message is essential for your entire life. Every part of your journey with Jesus involves what I'm going to be talking about today. If you don't get this principle and keep it in focus, in your life, you will get into trouble at some point in time, admitting your weakness. So let's start in with the three things I want to talk about this weekend. Number one, God's plan for your life always requires God's power in your life. 
God has a plan for your life that is far beyond anything you could have imagined. When God designed you and brought you to planet Earth, He brought you into this world with a purpose. There's a calling and a purpose and a plan for your life, but it's bigger than you are. It's not something that you will ever be able to accomplish yourself, whatever it is. There's something more that God wants to do in and through you that you could never accomplish in your own strength. Why? Because you are too little as am I and too weak as am I and too sinful as am I to ever be the person fully that God wants you to be or to do everything that God wants you to be that is reality. Now, you might say, well, you don't know me, Pastor. I'm very strong. I'm a strong person. You may very well be strong, but there is a limit to your strength. There's a limit to everybody's strength. I could illustrate that this morning by bringing out two sets of weights, maybe a 25-pound set of weights on one side of the platform, and let's say a 150 or 200-pound set of weights on the other side of the platform, and you may very well be strong enough to lift a 25-pound set of weights, and you can boast about being strong until you go to the other side of the platform. And you try to pick up something that is stronger or bigger than you are. And you realize, well, my strength is limited. I thought I was strong, but it's relative based upon what I'm trying to carry, the load that I'm trying to pick up. And so, yes, you have certain strengths in your life, but there's a limitation to your strength. And God's plan for your life always goes beyond what you are capable of doing. If it's something you can do, then you don't need God. Amen? So that's why God calls you to do things that are beyond what you are capable of doing in your life so that he can begin to demonstrate his power inside of you. And this power of God affects you in a variety of ways. Let me talk about four different dimensions of life where you need to experience more of God's power to fulfill God's plan. It starts with your, produ your personal productivity. God wants you to be productive with your life. He wants you to be fruitful. But you cannot be fully productive, fully fruitful as God designed you without his power. John chapter 15, beginning in verse number 4, Jesus talked to his disciples about this. Before he's going away, he's going to be crucified, and eventually he will rise from the grave and go back to heaven. So he gives them this teaching that is applicable for you and me. Notice his words, remain in me, and I will remain in you, or abide in me, and I will abide in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit. If it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful or productive unless you remain or abide in me. So he's talking about relationship here. Yes, I am, Jesus said, the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. That's productivity. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's stop there for a moment. You might say, well, that's not true. I can do stuff. Well, yeah, you may be able to do stuff, but you're not able to do the stuff that Jesus wants you to fully do with your life. There's stuff you can do, but it's not the stuff that takes you to the highest level of life that God designed for you. And so Jesus said, apart from me, you'll never discover the productivity that I designed you to experience in life. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and whither such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain or abide in me, and my words remain or abide in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce how much fruit? Much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus said, here's what I want you to understand about productivity. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do what I designed you to do. You can't fully be the person I want you to be. You may may be able to pick up the 25-pound weight, but you'll not be able to bear the load of the 150 or 200-pound weight. Apart from me, you can't fully do what I designed you to do. Now, here's the beauty of it. When you reach your limitation and then you find God's, God's power to help you do what you can't do, who gets the glory for it? God gets the glory. Oh, you can get the glory all day when you're pumping the 25 pounds, right? Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But when you get over to the 150 or 200 pound barbells and you try to pick them up and you cannot do it, but then the power of God helps you do it, then who gets the glory? God gets the glory. That's why the Bible says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Let's talk about another realm of your life, okay, where God wants to bring you into more than you can ever experience yourself. Let's talk about marriage for a moment. God designed marriage to take a man and a woman and bring them together in unity and to take two very different people and make them one. That's called impossible. And God uniquely designed marriage to bring you to the inevitable end of yourself. That marriage is designed to bring you face to face with what you cannot do. That's why so many marriages fail because two people try to make it happen themselves and they never invite God into the equation. And so marriage only is able to be and become all that God wants it to be when a man looks to God as his source and the woman, the wife, looks to God as her source and together in relationship with God, they learn to work the stuff out with one another because God gives them the grace and power they, don't, they do not have in and of themselves. From me, you can do nothing. You can't make your marriage work well without God. You need Him in the center. Notice what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 33. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's a miracle that has to happen here. This is a profound mystery, he says, but I'm talking about now he introduces Christ. I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. This requires something more than you can do. Your marriage needs God. Your personal productivity, you need God. Your marriage, you need God. Your parenting, you need God. You cannot be the parent you need to be without God. I will tell you something that parenting will bring you to the end of yourself as well. There are those days you look at those kids and you say, I do not know what to do. I have now come to the place of realizing I don't have the smarts, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the know-how, I don't even know what to say to them at this point. And God brings you to those places, and we'll talk about in a moment, where you acknowledge that and then you're able to find His wisdom in the midst of your lack. Notice Proverbs 22, verse 6. I'm going to read this verse that you know well, perhaps many of you do, but I'm going to highlight a part of it that perhaps you've never thought about before. Train up a child, what does the next phrase say? In the way he should go. Now, don't forget that part, in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. How do you know the way a child should go? You only know that by wisdom that comes from God. 
Well, we understand that the way a child should go should obviously be based upon Scripture, and so you need to be training your, your kids in the ways of God by His Word, but also there's just understanding unique personalities. How many of you have more than one kid know that they're different, right? They're very unique. They have different gifts and different abilities and different personalities. And so each one of them, you have to train them in in ways that are unique. And so you need something other than your limited capacity to do that. In ministry, you need the grace and power of God because you're going to hit your limit. Every Christian is called to ministry. Whether you realize it or not, that when you were saved, you were not saved to sit. You were saved to serve. That when God brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of light, He did so because He wants to help you, use you to help other people be impacted by Him. There's a purpose for your life in ministry, and you need to be empowered by God to do ministry. How many know that we need spirit-filled ushers, and we need spirit-filled parking lot attendants, and we need spirit-filled nursery workers, and spirit-filled children's ministry teachers? If you have any ministry in the church, it's not something you should be doing in your own strength or power, but in the power of God, spirit-filled worship leaders, and whatever the ministry might be, that you need to be filled with the power of God and not doing it in your own strength because you're pumping a puny 25 pounds, okay? But when God empowers you, there's a strength of the Spirit that is able to flow through you that does things that can only be done when the Spirit of God is at work in your life. That's why Jesus, before he went back to heaven, told his disciples he was now raised from the dead. He's going to go back to heaven. He said, guys, before you go out and preach the gospel, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we find this promise. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness, or you'll be my ministers. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, don't go out and try to do this ministry thing in your own power. Understand that you need the power of God. So every part of your life, you and I must understand that God's plan for our lives requires more than our strength or power. It it requires God's power. Number two, second principle today. God allows circumstances in your life to show you the limits of your strength so that you'll seek and discover the greatness of His power. I'm going to read that again. That's a great place, by the way. When I read it again, I'll just give you a little cue. That's a great place to say amen, all right? God allows circumstances in your life to show you the limits of your strength so that you'll seek and discover the greatness of His power. So very true. If God's plans for your life are bigger than you, then God, because He loves you, will bring you to places in life where you are at the end of yourself and you just don't know what to do. You have no clue. He'll bring you to that place where you realize, I don't have the resources anymore. I don't have the capacity anymore. Because when you get to that point, in fact, let me say it this way, you have to get to that point before you're actually able to receive God's power. As long as you think that you've got it, guess what? You'll never go after God in the way that you need to. As long as you think you're all that, you're not that. As long as you think that you've got it, that I've got the tiger by the tail and you know what you're doing, you're smart enough to handle it, then you don't need God. But when you get to the place of realizing you actually need Him, you just don't know it. Okay? 
until you get to the place of understanding that I am limited. You know, I've been trying to pick up that 150, 200 pound barbell all day long and I'm not moving it an inch, but I need to do so. It taps you into the necessity of the power of God. And I want to talk to you about that reality in your life by using an example of the Apostle Paul. I would submit to you today that perhaps if other than Jesus, there's no person in the New Testament that presents himself, is presented in Scripture, I should say, as stronger than the Apostle Paul. He's a very brilliant man. He's a doctor of the law. He's very accomplished in the things that he does. He is a very capable, very able person. But Paul realized in his life that out of all of his capabilities and capacities, that none of it compared with what Christ could do in and through him. So he spends a greater part of Philippians chapter 2 talking about all those things that he accomplished in his life and how he actually now counted them worthless compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ and described all of that stuff in his life as meaningless compared to relationship with Jesus. But Paul had to come to places in his own journey where God showed him his own weakness so he could find God's strength. Let me give you an example of that in Romans chapter 7. Let me read for you the story as Paul describes his dilemma here in verses 21 through 25. I'm reading from the Living Bible. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, Paul says, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my nature, my new nature is concerned, but there's something else within me and my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Paul says, I realized something I wanted to do. I want to do what is right, but every time I try to do what is right, I find how weak I am. I go to pick up this new barbell that's called my new life in Jesus Christ, doing the right things and living the right way, but every time I try to pick up that new life and carry that new life of Jesus in me, I find myself just doing the wrong thing instead of the right thing. Who will save me from this? What a terrible predicament I'm in. I want to lift it, but I can't. I want to be different, but I can't change myself. So he poses this question to himself and poses this question to God. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. Go back to the passage. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly nature? And then God gives him a moment of revelation where he says, Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. When Paul came to the end of himself and said, I can't do this, he discovered, oh, yeah, I can't do it, but Christ can. And there was a power of the Spirit that came to him that allowed him to do, to pick up the barbell of a new life in Jesus Christ and live it out in ways that he could never have done it himself. Let me tell you something, folks. Understand today that, that when you can't change yourself, Jesus can change you. Are you with me here? Okay. you got to get this because you've got to understand that all the burden for changing yourself is not on you. There's a power beyond you that can change you. It's called the transformational, supernatural, divine power of God that converts a person from the inside out and transforms your life to live a way that you could not live otherwise. There's not a single person 
facing a single set of circumstances or challenges in your life that go beyond God's power to help you to change. There is hope for your life. If Paul found hope, you can find hope as well. And he can help you lift the barbell of a new life in Jesus. Amen? There's another story. Amen. There's another story. Paul's always learning this weakness thing and finding strength. So I'm telling you, this is key to your spiritual life. If you don't get this, you're going to be in trouble. And I'll tell you, the devil will do everything to keep this truth from you or to muddy it in your life. Valuable to you. There was a time in Paul's life where he received all kind of incredible revelations from God. I mean, one time he was taken up to the third heavens and he says, I saw things I couldn't even speak about. I couldn't even talk about them to people. And so he had this incredible amount of spiritual experience in his life, very rich spiritual experiences. And now look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and let's see how he processed this in his life and what he learned in the context of all these great experiences he had and what it taught him about weakness. That experience is talking about all these revelations is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my, what's the next word there? Weakness. Now, what, do, what do you and I usually boast about? Our strengths, don't we? But Paul said, I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. As Paul said, I prayed earnestly, God, take it from me. God, take it from me. God, take it from me. And each time that Paul prayed that prayer, God answered with these words, my grace is all you need. Perhaps you're aware of this in another translation, my grace is sufficient. Another translation says, my grace is enough. God says, you're asking for me to take this away. What I'm telling you, Paul, is I'm going to allow this to stay in your life. I want to teach you a lesson about grace. I want you to know that my grace is going to be enough for you, whatever you're facing. It's not that I'm going to remove the problem. I'm going to give you the grace to handle the problem. And then he said this, God said this to Paul, my power works best in, where does God's power work best? Not in your strength, not in your ability, not in who you are and the greatness of what you bring to the table, but the Bible says that our power works best in weakness. So Paul responds, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer from Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul put his weaknesses to work for him instead of against him. His awareness of his weakness pointed him to the greatness of God's power. And sadly, a lot of folks never get this lesson in life. It is the weakness that leads you to strength. Because in your weakness is when you come to your limitation and say, now I need God to take over in a new way. You know it? Sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
Little ones to him belong. They are, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. They are weak, but he is strong. One of the greatest days and days, I say plural, multiple days in your life will be the days that you come to the point of saying, I am weak, but he is strong. This is a key to your journey. Number three, to get God's power, you must grow your faith. This is how the power of God comes to you. To get to God's power, you must grow something called your faith. Now listen closely. Faith is not just some mental set of belief. Faith is a muscle you use. There's something to faith. It's as a substance to it. It's a usable thing. It's a real thing in the life of a believer. You either work it and build it or you don't. Okay? So faith is something that God wants you to exercise and develop. And faith will take you where your own efforts and your own abilities can never take you. Faith will take you where your own efforts, your own abilities will never take you. And using your faith is how you discover God's power in the midst of your weakness. It is the key. Let me give you the definition for faith as I'm using it here today. It's not on your notes, but you may want to write it down. Faith is trusting God to make up the gap between who you need to be compared to who you are or what you need to be able to do compared to what you really are able to do. You got that? No, okay. I can tell. Some of you are like, oh, what? You want me to say it again? All right, I'll try. Faith is trusting God to make up the gap. Right? There's a gap between who God wants us to be compared to who we are, right? Right? You can shake your head. That'll help me, okay? Right? And it's trusting God to make up the gap between what God wants us to be doing with our life effectively, the productivity, all those things we talked about a moment ago, compared to what we're actually doing. We're over here pumping 25 pounds, and God says, no, I want you to pump 200 pounds, okay? And so there's a gap between what we're doing compared to what God wants us to be able to do with our life because He created us for more. He created us to accomplish more with our life than we can ever do by ourselves. And so faith is what makes up that gap. Faith puts us from weakness to strength. Hebrews 11, verse 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards. It's an important statement there, that God does something for, he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so when you and I come to God with faith, with the belief there's something that he does for us, he rewards us, he does something that is absolutely supernatural, that is absolutely divine, that is absolutely beyond what we could do ourselves. In the same book, Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 32, there's some examples of this happening in people's lives. How much more do I need to say, the writer says here, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, 
a very real force in their lives. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flame of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Please notice the next sentence. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Here the Holy Spirit-inspired writer tells us the way it happened in the Bible and the way it will happen for you is by faith, by trusting God to make up the gap. Here I am, God. I am weak. And I know I need to be able to accomplish this with the productivity of my life, with my marriage, with my parenting, with my areas of ministry and responsibility you give me in life. I know that there's more that I need to be able to accomplish fruitfully in that but here's why I'm at. There's a big gap, God, and I believe that you'll help me make up the gap. Amen? I believe that you'll provide the power for me that I cannot provide for myself. It's living in that dependency, absolute, total, daily, consistent dependency upon a power that is greater than you are. That is the secret of the Christian life. That is the secret of ministry. That is the secret of everything in life. Learning how to trust God to make up the gap for what you can't do to provide you the power so that it can still be done. Amen. I'm going to talk about a story. We're wrapping up here today with this story. You know it well. Well, I'll give you some points following it that'll be very, very quick that we'll go through. You know this. I'm using this story because everybody here probably knows it. I don't have to take a lot of time to explain the story to you. It's the story of David and Goliath. There was a day when Jesse, David's father, said to his son, David, I want you to go to the battlefield because your brothers are fighting in the war. And they were fighting against the Philistines. And so three of David's brothers were there. And so here is David taking some supplies to his brothers on the battlefield. And he was supposed to come back to Jesse and give a report of what was going on there. Just to check on, on the family, if you will. So David shows up on the battlefield. And he, he sees, sees his brothers, has interaction with them. But he notices something. He says, this, what's going on here? Because he realized that the Israelite army, they were living in fear. And there was this massive giant that would come out every day and intimidate the armies of Israel. And the armies of Israel would try to kind of come out each morning and kind of pump themselves up to fight the battle. And they would run back in again. And so 40 days this has been going on. So David looks at this and says, what was happening here? And they, they explained to him this Goliath giant over nine feet tall who was intimidating the armies of Israel. And so David says, something's wrong with this picture. What's going on here? Who is this uncircumcised, this pagan Philistine, that he should be defying the armies of the living God? This is not right. He said, I'll go battle him. And so he comes to Saul and said, I volunteer. And Saul looked at him and said, you can't do this. You're not able. You're not able to do this. You're not trained in battle. You're a shepherd. You smell like sheep. You don't know how to fight giants. You know what you're doing. You're not a giant slayer. You're a boy. Who are you to think that you can go up against this, this, this giant? Nobody else is willing. Why would you do this? And so, by the way, I'm paraphrasing here. All that I just said is not in the Bible, just so you know. Okay. Okay. I'm just kind of stretching a little bit. Okay. Dramatic license, I guess. Okay. But the essence of it is in the Bible. Okay. 
David said, I want to go against him. Because David realized something. David realized that he wasn't going to do the fighting, but God was, okay? Because he'd already made the statement, who is this pagan Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? He knew what the situation was. And so he goes against Goliath, and you know the story, how he goes in, he tried on Saul's armor, he couldn't wear the armor, he didn't know how to use that stuff, and so it didn't fit him anyway, it must have been an awkward looking mess for him to try to walk around in Saul's armor, it was like, it was, it was a mess, and so he said, I, gotta, I can't do this, and he got his, his slingshot and five rocks, would you agree with me, that's pitiful artillery against a giant, because this giant, he's got a massive helmet on, he's got... Uh, armor on. He's got a he's got a breastplate. He's got a he's got an external armor. He's got a javelin that's big. I mean he's 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 just. I mean this is no match. And so here comes David with his little slingshot. Okay. And David swings that slingshot and lets go of the rock. And at that moment, he, David had done all he could do. Okay. But when David did all he could do. God stepped in and did only what God could do, okay? And the rock landed in exactly the right spot. Only God can do that. And the giant that had been intimidating Israel for 40 days fell flat on the ground. Now what I want you to see, we're talking about growing your faith, but what I want you to see is this. David did not step on the battleground against Goliath without having grown his faith because the battleground against Goliath was backdropped by David taking care of his sheep and David said, the reason I know that God can help me slay Goliath is because there was a day that a lion came and tried to get my daddy's sheep and the lion was no match for God. And there was another day that a bear showed up and tried to get my father's sheep. And I learned something that day that a bear is no match for God. Amen? Are you with me today? Somebody ought to be saying amen right now. We're getting on, we're, we're on, we're on shouting territory right now, okay? So David said, if God is more than enough for the lion and God is more than enough for the bear... God is far more than enough for Goliath. And it was the faith, please note this, was David all that? David was a shepherd boy. He was weak. There was no way he could defeat Goliath. But he used his faith, and faith bridged the gap between who he was and what God wanted to do, and a great victory happened that day. What I want you to see is that what worked for David, what worked for Paul, will work for you also. How? How does it happen? I'm going to give you five things. We'll be done. How do you begin to develop this kind of faith so that it begins to be a part of your life? Number one, you've got to make sure that you're looking to God. You can't look at yourself. You can't look at other people. You have to look to God. He's the only one that can give you the power. Number two, you have to lean into God. That's all about relationship. Relationships are always about leaning in. 
And so leaning into God, leaning into Him, He's the greater one. You want to lean into Him. Let's develop your relationship with Him because He's going to feed you. He nourishes your faith. That's why you need to have daily devotions, spending time with God on a consistent basis, being in church, all those things. See what's happening to you today? You know what's happening right now in this place and all of our campuses? Right now, God's building your faith right now. God's doing something inside of you that would not have happened had you stayed home today. God's imparting something to you right now in your spirit that's happening inside of you. There's a building that's going because you, you made the choice today to lean in to God, okay? You look up, you lean in. Number three, you lean on. Lean on means that you trust God and you trust Him more and more by starting with the little things. You don't start with the big things. You start with the little things. You don't try to slay a giant before you've slayed a lion and a bear. You start with a lion, you move to the bear, and then you slay the giant. But it's step by step. God moves you not in, in huge leaps of faith. He moves you and, and operates in your life by developing your capacity to take step by step with Him. Start with the little things in life. Start getting the victory over some little things. Amen? I mean, if you can't get the victory over the traffic on 270, okay, then don't try to be an international evangelist, okay? You better start with some little stuff in your life. That's where you learn how to conquer certain things. Those are your lions and your bears that you begin to say, oh, wow, I learned. I thought I had to lose my temper there, but I leaned into Jesus, and he gave me the capacity in the moment not to lose my temper, not to do what I would normally do, okay? I, I usually say stuff that I shouldn't say in moments like that, but I learned to use my faith. I was weak, but in that moment, I went to Jesus, and in my weakness, he made me strong. He changed my vocabulary. Larry, he changed my response. See, this is very practical stuff. This is not sort of high in the pie, in the sky, by and by stuff. This will work every day in your life. When you're tempted to go one way and you're weak, but you lean into Jesus, he gives you strength there in that moment. So go after your lions and go after your bears. And I promise you, as you lean on God, there'll be the giants that you'll slay and then live for God, live for God. What I mean by that is choose the pathway of obedience. The pathway of obedience is always the pathway to increase strength, confidence, and power, and then finally learn from God. Learn from Him. Every step along the way, what am I learning in this journey? What did I, what did I learn with that lion that I will carry with me to my bear? And what will I learn from the bear that will carry me to my giant? You'll never, ever truly grow stronger until you admit your weakness. God's plan for you is far greater than what you can accomplish. And God will bring circumstances into your life to show you the limits of you so that you can discover the greatness of Him. And when you do, what do you do? You use your faith to connect the gap between your weakness and God's strength. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful for the word of God that instructs us, that teaches us. Thank you that it's so practical. Lord, it works in our lives in very real ways every day, and it's a real word for a real time in life. And I pray you'll take this message, seal it in our heart, and let us put it into practice in the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now 
that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life from eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner. and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus name if you just prayed that prayer with me friend I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ and to do so you need some help you need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day we'd like to provide for you in fact we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website church-redeemer.org that will help you to get a good start your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that'll help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.